Should we just jump in? Sure. <laughs> I mean, I love your non-committal reaction. Like, do you want to be a little bit more enthusiastic about it? I'm ready. I mean, like, no. Nah, once again, like, you give a shit. No. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> That are joining us for the very first time. Oh, we're doing it together? For those of you joining us for the very first time, this is Icon or Ycon, the show where we break down your favorite film universes one movie at a time. I'm here with my compatriot, my dear friend, sharing holiday cheer, the Holly to my Ivy, Mr. CJ LaRoche. Jing jingling, jing jingling, jing jing, Shandrew. Shandrew. Oh, that it's could be a also thing not a Christmas we, song. That was Chim Chimney from Mary Poppins. That we Mary Poppins, just like the sound of music, is a Christmas movie. I don't want to hear it. It's uh, a Christmas movie. No, nope. it's it's animated. Anything that's got animation and Dick Van Dyke Christmas movie. Well, all right. Are you dis, do you disagree? I, Mary Poppins is not a fucking Christmas movie. Mary Poppins has Christmassy songs. I saw it for the first time over the summer. It feels like a Christmas movie. Are we are we going to argue what is and what isn't a Christmas movie? I just let's just focus on Mary Poppins right now. So like, what makes Mary okay. Poppins a Christmas movie? Shim shimmery, shim shimmy, chim chim shabru. It's about fucking chimneys. Uh, it feels like it's about sleigh bells. I can't. I can't. I mean, you had you had one shot. You could have been like Santa comes down chimneys. Did I did I throw it away? You did. You blew it. I, I threw away my shot. You blew it. It's kind of like my life right now. I feel I feel like I've thrown away my shot to to really talk about the fact that this is our twenty first episode. Twenty one, man. Twenty one. We our our show can drink now. Our Literally show can totally States. drink. I mean, I mean, we lasted longer than most ninety uh, series starring Harry Hamlin. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, we're halfway to the uh, second uh, Broadway run of Sideshow. Halfway to the second brother. We're a little made. No, we're not. We're not quite halfway. We're a little. We're a little under halfway. But yeah, that she didn't run very long, and it's too bad. People from Nebraska don't like shows about Siamese twins. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? It's just. You know? it's, it was a tough sell. But uh, we're talking about a very important movie today on our twenty-first birthday, and it's also the That's start right. of a brand new franchise for us. And it is. Uh, it is the week of Christmas, so it's a Christmassy episode. So what we're doing is genius. We are starting with a movie. That starts in Christmas, and then the rest of this film universe goes beyond Christmas. So this yeah. is a cusp yeah. moment for us. So we are celebrating the holiday and starting our next chapter, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, usually shows start out, you know, as just regular shows in, in time, and then they have a Christmas special. Yeah. Uh, this this franchise started with a Christmas movie and then, you know, branched out into its other forms. If you will. Very exciting stuff. Very, very exciting stuff. Do you want to do you want to tell the people, all 17 of them, what the movie is, DJ? Die Hard. Best Christmas starring movie ever. Bruce Willis, Bonnie Bedelia, and the late great Alan Rickman. God rest. God rest. Absolutely. He was a theater guy, Alan Rickman. This was his first feature film and his first Hollywood film. He kills. He kills. He's amazing in this movie. Literally. Everybody's everybody's firing on all cylinders. I mean, you got Bruce Willis, uh, fresh off of Moonlighting. Moonlighting, yeah, with Sybil Shepherd. Yeah, with Sybil Shepherd. So he was like, which is like a swaggy comedy situation. 
Yep. And he had done yep. that commercial where he plays the harmonica, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know, as a mm-hmm. beer commercial. Like he was just young and, and really cute and like fun and uh, not really an 80s action star. Nope, nope. And not, not the first choice nope. for this. For you got you got a rundown for me? Yeah, well, I, I don't have a, a, a huge rundown, but we're going to say Schwarzenegger, Stallone. Let's talk about Clint Eastwood, who actually owned the rights to the first book that this well, this movie was based on the sequel to a book called The Detective. Yes. And so Clint Eastwood actually had the rights to that book. So he was interested in making this movie into a movie. That movie, The Detective, was made into a movie starring Frank Sinatra yep. in the 70s. So the the, the 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 team, the producing team of this film, was actually contractually responsible to offer the role to Frank Sinatra. Of course, he was in his seventies, so he was like, "Nah, bro, I'm okay." <laughs> uh, you know. And then they eventually they land with Bruce Willis. Fox was unsure if he could carry an action film. They end up rounding the script, you know, like juggling the script to make it more about Bruce Willis. And they created something. They created a new genre. You know, the the everyman action hero. Yeah, and well, action heroes in the 80s looked like Schwarzenegger and so on. They were muscle-bound. They were men of few words. They really, they, they looked like action figures. And mm-hmm. to have a guy that looks like him, and let's be real, Bruce Willis was super hot. He's still hot. But, like, this period of Bruce Willis, so sexy, so sexual. Ladies yeah. love him. Men want to be him. And this is right. an action hero that you could actually be slash maybe no slash right. potentially bang like it was a different experience totally totally not not a lot of veins bulging but not a, a great build he looked great. right you know a little bit of a receding hairline but handsome as fuck and a great great actor i mean just just a solid solid fucking actor man and what what he was able to do to bring you know this this character of john mcclain to life yippee ki motherfucker. Incredible. He's so good. So um, I, there's a couple of things in this movie that I think are really spectacular. Um, we've got coked out 80s douchebag. Coked Ellis. out 80s du- Ellis. What a great, what a great character. What a great turn by the actor Hart Bachner. Uh, and, you know, his most, his most famous line in the, in the, in the film, Hans, Bubby. Totally <laughs> ad-libbed. Of course. But you like know, he's they, he's giving you everything you need from an '80s movie. He's so aware of the time he's in, of who he is. Oh, absolutely! It's great. We we get a there's there's that shot. There's a a, a woman topless for zero reason. Tell really telegraphic to you that it is 1988. Like talking about when 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 Hans and his boys first show up and pull them out of the office. Yeah, yeah. Why is she topless? Yeah. Well, it was foreshadowed, right? Because they they stumbled into. I know the it was office. foreshadowed, but did we need to see this woman topless? That was well, just... no. But actually, it's 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 actually great because we're at the tail end of the eighties, right? Yeah. So, like, you have to have boobs, and you've got three playmates. Did you know that three four, former Playboy uh, Playmate of the Month in this film? I did not know that. Three of them: girl at the airport. Uh, the aforementioned topless uh, appearance there. And then the calendar girl is a former playmate as well. Calendar girl is a hilarious thing. Uh, yep. When I was watching with Bartsky, he actually brought that up. He's like, look, watch. Cause he always looks at the calendar girl when he walks by and they've just successfully made him the coolest bro you ever want to meet. Do you know? Like, yes, they absolutely have. But I just want to comment on that and say 
that all of the tail that he's chasing in in the beginning of the film, right? Like he flirts with every single fucking woman that walks he past him. He's such a flirt. It's such a flirt. Until the end when he goes up onto the roof to save all the people and he's calling his wife by her chosen her her wanted name, Holly yeah. Gennaro, and he's walking past all those fly bitches looking for his wife. So yeah. the screenwriting, the foreshadowing, the way that the way that like the MacGuffin of the fucking Rolex that's a throwaway line that you think Cokehead is there just trying to be impressive. The way that that comes back. I mean, this movie, it's, this it's may be so one of good. the most well-written movies of all time. It's so good. It's so good because all of the beats line up. All of the beats line up super well. I love that you brought up the Rolex because you know that made me swing. Like I was like, and the Rolex <laughs> beat comes back. I hate when you introduce a prop and don't fucking utilize it. It's, yeah. it's, it's so good. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, I want to ask you about. Okay. All right. So you are at a dispatch, right? Mm. And somebody calls you and says they're in distress. Mm. Your answer is this is a private channel for emergencies only. You need to call 911. And then you hear gunfire on this distress call. And you send. Yeah. It just like it bothers your ear a little. It just bothers your ear. And you send Carl Winslow to go. Sergeant Al Powell. Sergeant Al Powell, thank you. Yeah. It's Carl yeah. Winslow. It's like Family Matters was a spinoff, but it was not a spinoff of Die Hard. It was a spinoff of Perfect Strangers. Yes. But you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. You, they, did, they did send Carl Winslow. Reginald Vell Johnson. Ah, uh, That guy. Amazing. Love I that mean, guy. He is, he is fucking legendary. Yeah. Did you know that there is a cut scene, there's a deleted scene for Endgame? where he plays a fireman outside of a burning skyscraper and they cut it. Oh man. They cut it. I'm like, yo, that's, that's not the one to cut. Like that. Yeah. That Total nod to this movie. Yeah. You know, but, he's uh, a, he did an interesting interview about this. There's a, there's a great documentary on Netflix called uh, the movies that made us. Mm. And they do an episode on Die Hard that is just fascinating and chock full of all this juicy trivia. You should absolutely watch it. It was a good tour watch for will. me. And, um, and they bring him back to where Nakatomi Plaza is at the end. The, the episode always wraps up with them getting somebody from the original production to look at a location that was significant now. Very and, nice. and it's, and it's Very him. Nice. He's the one they pick. And it's kind of the best. And he talks about getting that role and and the whole thing. He's just so great in this movie. For Everybody sure, is firing sure. on all cylinders. Bonnie Bedelia, yeah. so good in this movie. And she was like... Oh, so, so She was good. a big get for them for this movie. Right. She was a big get for them. And she is stunning. I, my favorite moment that she gives me, she gives me a lot of great moments, but um, there's two that come to mind. I love when she decides that she's going to be the voice of the revolution and she goes yeah. and talks to Hans Gruber, and she's like, "I yeah. need a couch." Yeah, I don't, I don't starts, want. I don't want to be here, but you shot my boss. So yeah, so uh, yeah, you you made this for me. I love that, and I love the moment when um Kristoff is freaking out at the end, and she's like, "He's still alive. Only my husband can make only, somebody that." Mad. Only John could piss somebody or drive someone that crazy. <laughs> oh come on! She's there's there's punchlines for days in this movie. And, oh and, dude, the, the fact that this movie is so funny. Also, as and while it's while it is you know action packed, but I just want to go back to the first twenty minutes of this film. I'll go for it. There is there is not a bit of action for the first twenty minutes of this film. So what about qualms about the movie? The well, I'm going to change your mind. Go for it. I'm here for it, Ryan Johnson. The first (laughs) twenty minutes of this film. I can't. I can't. (laughs) It's my thing. It's my brand. 
Right. Uh, the first one, there's not a gunshot for the first 20 minutes. And, and, and what I love about it is that it sets everything up. It's interesting exposition, right? Like uh, right from the jump, we've got a man on a plane who mm-hmm. doesn't like flying. Yeah. The guy next to him says, you know how you like get, make air travel more better for yourself is just take your shoes off and make little fists with your toes. And now we've got perhaps like we've got 30 or 40 minutes of film about the guy because he doesn't have any shoes on. Yeah. Right. He's right. He gets a limo ride. Where does he sit? He sits in the front seat. What does that tell us? He's a he's a down to earth guy. Yeah. Right. Like he doesn't give a fuck. He's he's nice. Like the, the limo driver is seriously like just asking all these questions. And anybody from New York would be like, fucking shut up, bro. But no, he sits there and he listens and he indulges in. Right. And then he shows up and then he's talking, he, he, he's talking to his wife or he, he sees that his wife has changed her name, right. From the touch screen. So like, oh, yeah. oh, now that we know that, sad. Like, that made me sad for him. Yeah. Now we know that there's real problems. They, they show us the layout of the building. Right. It's like very clear. There's the lazy security guard. They're on the 30th floor. He meets the boss. Some we're working on this building. It's brand new. It was actually brand new in real life. And those yep. floors that they shot on were actually being worked on. And then and then we get to him and his wife, and they start out cordial. She wants him to stay over, but then they get they get into their fight. Immediately, they couple fight, yeah. right? And so like all of these things that that be, that you're watching an action movie, but meanwhile, all of this great character development, all this like I said, interesting exposition is happening, and that's one of the things that I really love about the movie is it okay. makes you care. Right, I, like I will say that it is a good a movie. I'm not done, Andrew. Give me uh, just okay, a second. Okay, okay, I, okay, I okay. will make it. I always have a very clear ending to my thoughts. <laughs> Nowadays, you watch an action movie, right? And the reason that you care about characters is because you know who they are, right? Like Luke Skywalker, uh, Iron Man, Thor. Like you know them all, so you you know, so you may not need all that exposition, right? But like. The way that this movie is able to set up these people to make you care is just freaking amazing, period, stop. See, now, I, I will say that. I, I do appreciate your take on that because uh, it is a very not contemporary thing to go that deep into the character development beforehand. Um, I will say this. I think it's a little bit ambly. I think the limo sequence goes on way too long. I think there was a more concise way to give us all of that information. I think the guy in the airplane, I find that to be really creepy. Like the, the, the first exchange happens right when you're getting off the plane. It's a little bit too movie for me. Um, also, I will say this. If we're spending all that time with character development, um, why have we not developed any Hans Gruber moment? You know, we find out nothing about him. So we spend all this time getting to know our hero, getting to know his relationship, and that's cool, but we could have done it in half the time. All of that. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I do I do love it. I do love it. I, okay. And I do I actually love the way that Hans is introduced. You know, because there's the sun is going down, and then we see this truck. Yeah. And then when the door of the truck flies open, it's like, oh, there's our guy, right? And like you're watching it now and you know Alan Rickman and the legend that you know I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I can't remember what it was like the first time I saw this. Like I was I was a kid. Jesus. So. I was yeah, I was so young. I was so young and pretty then. You're still pretty. Um but no, I actually love the way that 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 Hans Gruber gets introduced and I love Hans Gruber. It, it, I have a question for you. Is Hans Gruber 
the best movie villain of all time, not yes. named Darth Vader. Yes, 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 yes. No, Hans Gruber is is the coolest, the swaggiest. The sequence when he fakes the American accent. Come oh on. My God. I mean, and it's not really the best American accent, but it's the best thing that the fact that they get to meet face to face and yeah. you know that they don't know what each other looks like. Right. And it creates exactly. so much stress for the audience. Which, yeah, and, and it created it created stress for Alan Rickman too because he actually busted his leg up the first time that he they filmed that scene. So the rest of the time that he's filming, he's standing on one leg. Oh my gosh, yeah. it's so good though. Um, apparently, uh, the le- legend has it that John McTiernan thought during shooting that they should have a moment where they see each other, and mm-hmm. they had already shot the scene in the conference room, mm. and uh, it was it was shot in a way that. McLean clearly saw him and so they had to like excise a whole sequence oh, so damn. where so you didn't see that just to make this new thing that he wanted work and right. apparently um the writer could not think of what to do he's like that makes no sense it makes no sense getting them together I don't know how to get him there and apparently Alan Rickman was faking an American accent on set and John McTiernan oh, was like and so they were, they that's were like, it let's do you, it that way you bump oh. into each other by chance and you fake an American accent because you know it's him like right. that's how that works, and you right. and we'll just cut the scene where you've seen each other. Like, but that's like a director thing. I could see how a writer yeah. being like, it doesn't make sense, but yeah. a director <laughs> knowing be like, but I gotta see it. I want to see a confrontation. So when that second confrontation at the end of the movie happens, it's more significant. Right. Totally. I, I just the whole movie's so cool. Um, I have another question for you. Okay. Has the sweatsuit love letter lost any of its freshness, or is that still one of the coolest things you've ever seen? I don't know what you're talking about. When he drops the guy in the sweatsuit down the elevator and the, oh, he has the, the message. Uh, now, I, now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. Come on. Sweatsuit love letter? Yeah, it's a sweatsuit love letter. Sweats? Is that a thing? That's what I and called I, it in my notes. My notes say talk about sweatsuit love letter. That's what you called it. Got yes. it. Okay, I just wanted to make sure that, you the, know. A screenshot, it says talk to CJ about sweatsuit love letter. I had it right yeah, there. I, just didn't, I didn't want to think, you know, I just want to make sure it wasn't something like a Furby or a fidget spinner or something that, you know, happened in society and I missed it. The sweatsuit love spinners. letter. What I don't know if it was those? a thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. They came and went <laughs> oh, for this old man. Uh, no, it's fantastic. The bell of the elevator, also the way that it appears throughout the movie and causes all the issues. Uh, but that's that's our first one. Is our first one? Could be our first one. I think anyway, that's the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's great. And then it, it creates a, it creates a rivalry, right? Because he killed he killed homeboy's brother. Carl yeah. is it Carl? Carl killed Carl's brother. Uh, and yeah, no, it's it's fucking great ho 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 oh it's such a such a genius moment um fbi fbi being the punchline oh my god because because we're worried about because we want to focus our because our heroes are the guy from the nypd and the desk jockey you know what i mean and so they make the fbi these buffoons yeah that are so arrogant and so horrible and the chief that's sucking up to them like it's the the writing is a one on this movie like, yeah, speaking of the chief, Paul Gleason, yeah, playing his character from the Breakfast Club, just like a little less intimidating. It's the same guy, <laughs> same guy, just like uh, uh, the reporter William William Atherton, who's basically just doing pack from Ghostbusters. Yep, you know they're they're like they're, 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 they say, oh, we have these guys, and everybody knows who they are. You know, everybody knows what they do. So like, let's just have them do it. Uh, and I love the FBI later 
when they're flying into the ambush and the guy's like, just like Saigon. It's like you fucking idiot. Saigon was a complete disaster. A total uh, disaster. No, it was it was it was so go. funny. And and don't they talk about how like, yeah, we'll probably only lose twenty five percent of the hostages. That's a good number. Yeah, for I me. can live with that. Yeah. Oh my god. They make them such buffoons. Yeah. I you know what else is great? All right, there's so many great things. We could go on and on and on. We're gonna eventually cut ourselves off. But like the fire alarm fake out, how his first great idea is to set a fire alarm. And they yep. like quelch it and he has to keep thinking of other things to do. And I love how he yeah. manages in a wife beater and barefoot to stay right. one step ahead of them because he's a New York City beat cop. Sure. And, and it's I, great that he has he has constant challenges. Yeah. Like right. Like it's not just it's not just, you know, fucking John Wick easy for him to 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 go. No. You know, he's got constantly facing new challenges, new problems, and he has to come up with solutions and it, I mean, the fucking, the fucking, when he sets off the C4 with an, with an old computer monitor, you know, like that's some fucking the, deep level shit. The, the reason elevator the reason, shaft bomb is so good. It's so good, bro. Because, because computer monitors used to hold a charge a little bit longer after you unplugged them. Yeah. That's why that works. Yeah. So smart. Fuck. So smart. So, so smart. smart. All right. So check this out. You know, I have a thing about feet, right? Like. I struggle with things touching the bottom of my feet. I don't like things touching the bottom of my feet. So the whole movie, I'm watching him like be barefoot and I'm stressed out by it. When he has the glass right, in right, his right, feet, right. the glass oh in God. his feet is such a sequence. But get this, look at the artistry of this moment. He's got the glass in his feet and he's like, it's towards the end of the movie. He's like, blue. And yeah. he's talking to Carl. His name is not Carl. I mean Carl Winslow. It's Al Powell. Al, Al Powell. He's talking to Officer Powell. Reginald Vell Johnson. Thank you. And Hello. he's talking to him about like, you know, he's like, how, why are you rocking a desk? What's going on? He talks about how he exits. They have this whole heart to heart moment. And the, Shot movie, a kid. and the movie kind of stops for them to get really real with each other and build this yep. real partnership. They've never seen each other, but they have this whole relationship. And yep. then to top it all off as it couldn't get, as if it couldn't get any better, they have the acoustic guitar underscoring that becomes so popular for the 80s and 90s, specifically cop movies. Bad Boys yep. has great acoustic and Spanish guitar. The Bad Boys trilogy, totally, we, we totally. got to do those too because I actually love those movies. It's a uh, universe. It's totally universe. But like, I mean, they underscore with the guitar. I almost threw my laptop across the room. I was like, are you kidding me? I didn't realize how good this was. Before mm-hmm. before this formula, like the intimate moment before the act three final standoff with the guitar yeah. underscoring, I didn't realize that it started with this movie, that this becomes a fixture Amazing. and you see it through, clear through 1998, clear mm-hmm. through 1998. Like, mm-hmm. it's just such a cool thing to notice, to clock. Definitely. So I have one more question for you. Okay. After everything that's happening, right? We have this whole big standoff. We have all these things. It's action. And this, this is, we haven't even touched the combat. The combat is out of control. This construction site combat that happens. It's unbelievable. And he gets the shit beat out of him. Like he really takes all night. a bunch of hits. And we're all getting night. towards the act three. And he's like, I need you to tell Holly something. She's mm-hmm. heard me say, I love you a thousand times. She never heard me say, I'm sorry. That's right. I could not believe it because that is a level of depth that you really didn't see in the late 80s for masculine characters. And they've no, gone through such painstaking effort to make sure that we understand how masculine he is. Yeah. And they've really put a lot of energy into showing his human and softer side. 
it's beautiful and that and that's that's why this movie works it's also that's the whole crux of the of that happened in real life one of the writers had a fight with his wife he was having he was having a hard time figuring out what die hard was Mm -hmm. he had a fight with his wife took a flight driving home a refrigerator box fell off a truck in front of him it was just the box for some reason, not the fridge inside. Oh my gosh. And he was like, oh my God, I, I, I could have died without telling my wife that I was sorry about our fight. Die hard. Uh, Die hard. So good. Unbelievable. There's so much, so, so much that's human, so much heart. And we didn't even talk about it. There's so much we didn't talk about. We didn't talk about Argyle. Argyle is so fun and so funny. Oh, so, Chilling so fun. in the limo with the big bear, like when they keep cutting away to him. There's such a tone of humor. That keeps oh, this yeah. movie going. It's and hilarious. Then, and then the second you forget about Argyle, because shit's getting really hot, Argyle yep. sees the guy getting in the getaway van and crashes right. into it and punches him. Yep. Because there's no wasted beats, everything nope. comes back into play. It it's, just it just moves so good. I mean, every everybody has an arc. <laughs> you know, like everybody's character is there for a reason. Oh my gosh. It, it's fantastic. Rooftop jump with the fire hose. How many movies have tried to copy that moment? Oh, right. All of them. All of them. All of them. All and of the them. stress. And the thing is that that has a B section to it because like we get him, he shoots the glass, he swings into the building. It's so fucking cool, but it's still tied around his waist. Like the tension right. doesn't let up. There aren't believe, a lot of movies this good out there. You believe for a second that he actually might go flying out the window. What's going to happen then? Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's screenwriting. So yeah. screenwriting folks now also i have to do a little more research is this the first group laugh into gunfire because that's another thing that starts <laughs> happening and i think this might be the first could be because the group be. laugh into gunfire is a thing we've seen it a mm. hundred times now i just didn't realize how like i knew this movie was culturally significant it's actually uh you know it's in the library of congress right yep i sure do 2017 like, on Come on, it's with clerks. Like, and it's so funny that this is our second like movie that we brought up and like we didn't realize until we started digging into it. Like these we remember these movies because they are culturally significant. Die right. is fucking great, still super holds up. Like oh, I yeah. had a great time. And honestly, you know, it's funny. Um, I think me and Bart have been dating for about three weeks, and he came to see me perform mass on Christmas Eve. And uh, we ate dinner with the Jesus Band family. And uh, afterwards, he was just like, hey, you want to go back to my place and watch Die Hard? It's totally a Christmas movie. Fantastic. And like, I tell you no lie, I was just like, uh, I'm going to fall in love with you. Like, yeah, it is a Christmas movie. And I love that you know that because it is. Because it is. It's a great it's Christmas brilliant. movie. It's yeah. a great Christmas movie. Ah, we should take a break. We should. All right. Break time, folks. <laughs> You know what, CJ? I really love doing these episodes and talking to you, and I'm really glad that we had the time to do a holiday episode. I'm so pumped that we were able to, to fit this in, and I'm so excited by the technology that we have of Zoom and Google Meet and all those things to make sure that we can still be together even though we're far apart. Yeah, it's been a really hard year, and honestly, like not being able to just like hug and kiss all over my family is really, really quite difficult if I'm going to keep it real for a second. It's challenging. It's really yeah. challenging, and but we know that this is not going to be forever, that eventually we are going to come out the other side of this and be okay. Yeah, and so while numbers are on the rise and things aren't looking that great as far as things go in this country right now, I just want to encourage all of us to keep doing what we've been doing to keep our 
ourselves healthy, keep ourselves well, protect our loved ones. And uh, hopefully next year we'll get to have the big holiday celebrations that we all love. Absolutely. Wear a mask, stay home, stay apart, get together on the internet to say a quick hello, because we just, we're, we're so close to the end of this thing. We're so close to being on the other side. And if we can just hold out just a little bit longer, we can, we can sacrifice this Thanksgiving and Christmas and Kwanzaa and New Year's for however many more we're going to be able to have on the other side and in the future. So please folks stay safe, keep your distance and wear a mask. Absolutely. The holidays are about community and we need to do our part to take care of each other, meaning the whole country, not just ourselves. That's right. Back to the show. And we're back. The break is over. We're, we did some things while we were gone and now we're totally fucking enthusiastically ready to rip it apart. Thank you. Thank you. For those of you that You're can't welcome. tell, CJ got a note off panel about his enthusiasm, and this is him taking I'm the note. I'm so excited. I My cock is about to explode. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, we already waxed poetic and philosophical about uh, Die Hard and how much we love it, and it's such a, mm-hmm. such a boy movie, but, like, I just... It's well, so good. it's a boy movie, but it it's also a people movie. It is a people movie. It is. You know, it's, it's got all. It's got it's got everything, man. Wow. It's got it all. All right. I think it's time for some ephemeral questions. Holiday edition. Ephemeral questions with Andrew and CJ. It's from The Sound of Music, but like I said before, that's a Christmas movie. They show it every winter on TNT. Sotomayor, what I tell you about arguing with me? Two things. Some of your best lyrics. One. Thank you. Two. (laughs) Sound of Music's not a fucking Christmas movie, and that's not a Christmas song. It's a Christmas song. It's not a Christmas song. It's just about things. It's a list. It's a list I've heard it in Christmas concerts. I know. That doesn't make it right. It's a Christmas song. People play Hallelujah at funerals. It's not a funeral song. It's about sex. Wait, which Hallelujah? Leonard Leonard Cohen. Cohen? Yeah. Yeah. What worked for you about this movie, CJ? Ooh. Mm. The script. (laughs) Fucking script. Everything is there for a reason. There's no wasted time. They were working on it a lot throughout the shooting. So a lot of the stuff was ad-libbed. Like we said, uh, Hans Bubby, Yippie Kaye, motherfucker, was ad-libbed. Um, but but the, the core of the script, the Rolex playing a part, the guy in the airplane telling him to take his shoes off. Uh, Argyle. Uh, the re- Argyle, the reporter. You know, like like that shit. Could, that way, like when you have like an, an ambitious reporter who's kind of a dick, like that could not, that can come off wrong. But the way that they wrote his character, you know, from the beginning, you're like, oh, maybe he's not, you know, maybe he's just trying to get the scoop, and then he ends up like going to his house and causing the problem with interviewing the kids. Um, it's just brilliant, and 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 you know, they, they never say the words, but when you when you talk about screenwriting. And you've got the climactic moment of the movie with the standoff, the old West style, mm-hmm. right? Gruber with the gun and, 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 and John McClane has his hands up, but earlier he looked at, he looked at the Christmas wrapping and, and, and on the Christmas wrapping was fucking Holly. And he gets the idea and he tapes the gun to his back and that's how he wins the battle. It's like, that is screenwriting folks. Like that's how you write a movie. That's how you put that's how you put stuff in there that, you know, is clever. Right. And, and like, is really great, 
but also makes sense. And these guys did it. They did it 100%. It absolutely worked. Uh, we'll see what happens with the next four movies. Yeah. As we journey through. Um, but Die Hard, the, the, bless you, there's a woman out there that sneezes so loud that you can <laughs> hear it outside of my apartment. And it's like, woohoo! It's kind of <laughs> like, it, it, it should be on uh, Mario Kart, this sound effect. But that's what really worked for me in Die Hard. This, this, the screenwriting, man. The fucking script. So good. You? Same thing, actually. I wrote that. The script yes. is just so solid. It, it, it's, it's really, really solid. Um, and usually when you have a movie that undergoes so many rewrites before shooting and undergoes so many rewrites during shooting and, and, and rewrites of things that have already been filmed, you know? like right. Right. Like, like I, I know the van coming out of the other van is a thing that's that, that um, it, there's a, that's one hole that they couldn't plug up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Which because is, the first time that van, that van opens, there's nothing. Oh, just a quick note on the van before I forget. Huh. It's Pacific Courier. Yes. Right. Which shows up later in the later films as Atlantic Courier. Mm-hmm. But in Speed, the movie that was written by the cinematographer of Die Hard, there's a plane that has Pacific Courier. Oh, fun. I propose that Speed is in the Die Hard universe. I, you know what? I can get on board with that. Yeah. I can get on board with that. That sounds really cool. Yeah. yeah, I just had to get that in there because, you know, the elevator shaft, we talked about that earlier, and then the opening scene of Speed is in that elevator, and apparently that's where that guy got the idea. But anyway, you were saying... Uh. So good. Yeah, no, the script Holes is... you couldn't plug. The script is solid. <laughs> I don't know if there is one. <laughs> the script is solid. Um, and and for sh- something that had a long production period and, like, people got upset, there were there were feelings about it. Um, it was difficult. Any When you watch the documentary, you'll see that it was a difficult shoot and they were getting pages same day and everyone was very frustrated about it. Usually it doesn't yield a result this balanced. Right. You know, the fact that it's it's that's a testament to the production crew also firing on all cylinders. And I think it goes hand in hand. You have actors giving that much gold. You have to have a production team giving that much gold. They had to do it together. No question. And they all really just sort of sorted it out. And the movie is so slick and interesting and very, very cool because of it. I really, really, really like this movie a lot. Yeah, it's it's solid, man. Oh, the Holly. The Holly thing. His wife's name is Holly. It takes place at his Christmas. Wife, his wife's name is Holly. That's why this is absolutely 100% a Christmas movie. Sure. It's very yeah. clear from the beginning, right? Like, you know, even though it's LA, like he's got the bear with the bow. Yeah. You know, the Christmas at Hollis. Yeah. Argyle's playing on the radio. So dope. It's really good. All right. So good. What did not work for you about this movie? Okay. The biggest problem that I have with this movie mm-hmm. is when Al Powell, <laughs> a.k.a. Carl Winslow, goes into Nakatomi Plaza for the first time and the security guard is watching a football game on Christmas Eve and it's Notre Dame and USC. Mm-hmm. Those teams would never be playing on Christmas Eve in a non-COVID world, which is actually the reason that I thought of it. <laughs> College football doesn't play that late regular season. Notre Dame, USC, that's a regular season game, right? So this was like, and this was 1988, there was no playoffs. Okay, and that year Notre Dame won the national championship, playing uh, their bowl game on New Year's Day. They they were off for three weeks before that, so that's a big that's a big that's a big poo poo. 
Okay. Uh, you know, but but this is like a non-ESPN popular world, right? So like we'll let them we'll let we'll let that slide. Okay. The other thing that really that I really did not like is in the beginning of the movie, she puts down the photo of them as a family. Yeah. Right. And then later Gruber picks it up. Yeah. And it's like, oh, that's the guy, right? But earlier when she comes in and she's being the boss, she kind of glances down at those photos. He sees one that's turned down. Hans Gruber picks it up at that point. That's, you know what? And I caught that too. I was just like, why to did he look? Like, yeah. she, she totally gave a tell. Like She and, absolutely. And, and he the tell was really for the miss, audience. Like, he's not going to miss shit like that. Yeah. You know? Um, but this is all real nitpicky stuff, man. I know. You know, super nitpicks. Do yeah. You, what, do, you, do you have anything significant? No, mine is a nitpick as well. Oh, good. That's great. I love it. Yeah, that. It's, it's the usage of Ode to Joy. Oh, to Joy is not a Christmas song. We're going to fight. It doesn't have to be a Christmas song. Haven't you ever seen A Clockwork Orange? It does have to be a Christmas song. And I'll tell you why. Because they use it. They use it the first time they introduce that song is because he's in the apartment and that's like playing. He's in the Uh Nakatomi Plaza. And it's playing Uh because they're having a holiday party. They're piping the holiday music through. The building. Okay. So Ode okay. to Joy is playing. So they use that moment to establish Ode to Joy as a holiday anthem so that when they opens the electromagnetic sort of lock at the end, Ode uh-huh. to Joy plays. And like, I get it, but like, you can do that through line with something that is actually a holiday song. Mm. I don't find Ode to Joy to be specifically holiday. People do yeah. it. People do Christmas Messiah. I'm not into it. Yeah, you're now you're really speaking Chinese. But what I'm what I'm going to tell you is that what makes something a Christmas song? References about Christmas and the presence of either bells, a harp, or a glockenspiel. Okay, so any song with a bell, a harp, or a glockenspiel is a Christmas song. It has to have lyrical content related to the holiday. It has to have lyrical content related to the holiday. So yes. a wordless song should can't be a Christmas song. Are there wordless Christmas songs? I don't know. I don't think there are. So it has to be, it has to have lyrics. Yeah. Okay. See, I think the payoff is worth it. I think the payoff is worth not having it. Like you, I think using Ode to Joy when that fucking vault opens and Ode to Joy is fucking blaring, man. It's a good moment. That moment, yeah. that moment is so fucking great. It's really funny. And I don't want to, I don't want to lose that. Like what's a oh, good substitute yeah. song we could put there? That's an actual holiday song. I mean... Joy to the yeah, World. I said Joy, it. Joy to, the, to the, world. the World. I asked you the question and I already had the answer loaded up. It's Joy, Joy to the, the world. world. That's the song that goes for that beat. Yeah, Joy to the World. Yeah, but it feels like it's it's just a little bit too... Joy to the World is... It's too holiday. It's too Christmassy for that moment, I think. I don't know. I disagree. I but that's, the, that's what didn't work for me. The usage of Ode to Joy. Otherwise, the score is actually spectacular. Oh, yeah. It's like a really That's great. Does this movie make your desert island top five, CJ LaRoche? Yeah. Me too, man. It does. It it didn't before I watched it. Didn't before the rewatch, but sure did after the rewatch. I was like, yeah, I I could watch this. Yeah, I want it. I want it. I want it. I've actually watched it the past three Christmases. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. It's really, really he's solid. so good. Like everybody's so good in it, and so it just, it, also it, it hits keep, all the it, 
all the beats. Like also, you said. keeping me lurchy the whole movie. <laughs> so, so into it. Like the camera, just like that scene at the end where he's like, right at the very end when he's like confronting Hans and like he's like on an angle and like the red light and the sparks behind him and he's all like sweaty oh. and dirty. I was like, you know that they're like, yeah, film it so that he looks so attractive. He looks right. amazing right. in that shot. Right. And even though he's hobbling, he's been, he's had the shit kicked out of him. He's, it's like, you he know, makes it hot. He makes stand. it fashion. And the show, the, the movie is shot so well, man. The fucking photography in this film is Gorgeous. just, just dope. Gorgeous. Yeah, for sure. Bonus question. Okay. Who plays John McClane in the reboot? Ryan Reynolds. Tiffany Haddish. Hey! <laughs> Oh, is there actually a reboot? No, I'm just, it was a, just oh. a, a hypothetical question. You say Ryan Reynolds, oh. I say Tiffany Haddish. Oh, okay. You, well, you, yeah, okay. You, the way you said it, I was like, I'm, 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 I'm out. I'm out of the game. No, I was just saying. <laughs> I've been tagged out. Ryan Reynolds, really? Yeah. I could see it. Yeah. He's, he's the guy. He played like Deadpool. It'd be really yeah, funny. I don't, think there, I don't think there's anyone else. I mean, I, that's it the would, right age. They would reboot it with a woman of color, and it would be Tiffany Haddish. Absolutely. Okay, great. Let's do I it. I think. Don't you think? Let's do it. 20th Century Fox, do you still exist? In some level, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, let's do it. Let's get she'd it done. Be, get she'd her be, done. She'd be great, Joan McClain. Joan McClain, yes. <laughs> she'd be awesome. Yes, totally. Yeah. Totally. And 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 uh, what's the guy? What, oh, my God. How can I? He's one of my favorite actors. I can't believe I'm blanking on his name. Moneyball. Jonas Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill would be the husband. Jonah Hill. That'd be hilarious, actually. He'd be the husband. Would be Holly? Yeah. Harry? Harry Janeiro? Harry Janeiro. <laughs> yeah. Oh, fun fact they misspelled her name on her office door. I saw Gennaro. that. So bad. Mm, and really the nice. van, the ambulance van, it says fire department. People cut awesome. corners in the worst way. Yeah, but the woman, the, the playmate's tits, we got right. <laughs> we got they, that they right. Were, they were bare. <laughs> All right, what's your special award, CJ? Okay, the I'm not crying, you're crying award goes to the end of this movie. Okay, oh, yeah. twice. Twice I burst. Really? Yes, I was crying twice. <laughs> which movie. two parts? Which two parts? The first part was when Al and John first saw each other. That is a moment. And, and the love that they were expressing with their eyes for each other. I got a, like a little like. <laughs> and then when he got over his fear and killed Carl. I was yes. like, <laughs> he did it. Don't want to tell me about the rabbits. Out. Like it was, I was. I mean, another beat another beat that paid off yeah they gave us that conversation to give him that moment arcs that's what that's what screenwriting and and storytelling is all about kids that you're if you're listening you have characters and they have arcs and those arcs have to make sense across your your film across your trilogies across your sagas they all the arc has to make sense you have to finish it and they did Mm -hmm. They did. Um, what's your special award? 
<sighs> For the film Die Hard, with all of my heart, I give the Pandemic Wardrobe Award. Because one thing that kept jumping out at me is that uh, I have worn so many of those outfits seen in this movie. And I'm talking about <laughs> your basic things. I'm talking about your blazer with the tie that's undone and you're all sweaty and look a mess. Rock that look this pandemic. <laughs> Wife beater, pants, no shoes, rock that look. No shirt, <laughs> pants, no shoes, bloody and sweaty. Rock that look. Uh, dirty sweatsuit, rocked that look. Hair too long and scraggly, rocked that look. Basically, I was just like, wow, I've, I've, I've worked my way through the whole wardrobe department of the film Die Hard, and I didn't even know. And that's how I'm ending my year. Oh my God, that's incredible. <laughs> that's incredible. The Pandemic Wardrobe Award. Yes, yes. So All of it's in there. All delicious. of it's in there. I love it. I love it. I absolutely love it. Is this film an icon or a Y-con, CJ? Oh, shut up. I know, right? What a stupid question. I just have to. It's the show. It's a dumb question. That is true. That is is what we do. And, and, you know, the the reason it's iconic is because of everything that we've said. But this movie is an action movie. It's a Christmas movie. It's a rom-com. It's a fucking crime drama. Oh, my God. We didn't even talk about the fact that, like, these guys aren't terrorists. No. Right? And, and, and they come like, and they, he comes right out and say, says it the, when he's talking to the owner, the boss guy, you know, he says, what kind of terrorists are you? And he's like, who said we were terrorists? You fucking idiot. We're here for the loot. Yeah. Brilliant, man. Brilliant. It's got everything. This movie is iconic. You know, it, it, it lives on like him, him in the, in the air duct with the lighter. Like that is one that's, I mean, that's top that's five. scene alone. Yeah, that's top five movie images of all time, right? I mean, come to the coast, it'll be great. Have a few laughs. Like, come oh, on. it's so good. I was watching it and I was like, this is, it manages to be funny and exciting equally the whole mm-hmm. way through. It is mm-hmm. very funny, very exciting. And then it gets super sincere and heartfelt. Too. Yeah, yeah. Like I totally. can't, I can't say this movie's praise enough. This is, I'm so happy I watched this, especially because I've, I've had like a week, and like <laughs> I just really needed this movie to be good. You know what yeah. I mean? Like I was just yeah. like storytelling. You know, yeah, because sometimes we watch these movies, the episodes, and these movies are bad, and I feel like like the Last Jedi. <sighs> There's gonna be, we're gonna have to do a tally of like how many episodes <laughs> pass before you don't mention it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like days without an accident. Yeah. Days, like, episodes I, without CJ mentioning The Last Jedi. I feel like since we talked about The Last Jedi, you brought up that I like The Last Jedi. Mm, yeah. I found yeah, a, uh, a YouTube link for you. <laughs> I found a YouTube link for you that I'm going to send you. And okay, it, says, it says, show versus tell why The Last Jedi fails. And the mm. whole argument is that it, it tells and shows whereas mm. previous star wars efforts just allow the viewer room to figure it out sure just yeah some, just some reading for your trip i'm ready yeah well actually I'm, i drive I do oh drive. you drive all right all right so you yeah. can't read no i can't i can't read either really okay <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> i was like i've done a show with you i'm pretty sure you can read like <laughs> I can only read. I can only read scripts. Okay, <laughs> that's good. I can only, I can only read drama, <laughs> fiction, if you will. 
hysterical. Jesus Christ. Well, CJ, this is fun. Uh, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. I hope you had a good Hanukkah. Like, you know, past we did. Tense. You did. We good. did have a good Hanukkah. Yeah, we lit the menorah. We searched around the house for presents. Yeah, it's, it's, been, them? It, it's been great. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah, little knickknacks, little tr- trinkets. Trinkets. You know, here and there. Nothing big. No big prezzies. Just the little stuff. You know. Um, Amazing. Yeah. So, uh, so, uh, to our 17 listeners, we want to wish you the happiest of holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. Happy new year. We are not going to be here for you next Tuesday. Taking our first Tuesday off in 21 weeks. We're taking a Tuesday off, uh, so we can recoup, so we can reflect. Uh, so Andrew can, can finally figure out why the last Jedi sucks. Uh, oh and then God. we You're will be back. Go. We will be back the following Tuesday with Die Hard 2. Die Harder. Terrible title, totally decent movie. I can't wait. I can't yeah, wait to rewatch so it. So good. I'm excited too. And when we come back, we're going to come back with some new shit, some fresh shit for you. Maybe a couple of bonus questions, maybe a little dance, maybe a little video component. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But we're going to end 2020. We'll like this and come back anew. That's right. That's right. And in the words of the great Abe Madcore of the Sports Business Journal, be good to each other. Absolutely. Yes. And enjoy this holiday season. Wear your mask. Please. Stay safe. Be good. And have a Please. ball in the best way you know how because Lord knows we all deserve it. We do. We've earned it. Yes. We've earned it. All right. For I Kind of Work on, I'm Andrew David Sotomayor. And I'm CJ LaRoche. And we'll see you... Next time. Next time. Bye. Bye.